welcome to South Asia Chat, a podcast series brought to you by the Institute of South Asian Studies at the National University of Singapore. I'm your host, Nitya Subramanian, an editor here. And with me today are two guests, Professor C. Raja Mohan, visiting research professor at ISAS, and Dr. Chulini Athanayake, a research fellow here. We will discuss with them the recent visit of Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi to Sri Lanka and the Maldives. This visit is important for these two Indian Ocean Island countries, not only in the current geopolitical and economic context, but also historically as they both celebrate landmark years in their bilateral ties with China. So without further ado, let me welcome Professor Raja Mohan and Dr. Chulani. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Nitya. It's great to be on this podcast. Thank you, Nitya. It's a pleasure to be here. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi started 2022 by keeping up with the tradition of visiting three African countries, Eritrea, Kenya, and the Comoros, followed by stopovers at the Maldives and Sri Lanka, two South Asian island states which, where China has been trying to grow its influence. Could you please share your thoughts on this visit and some of the key takeaways that stood out for both of you? Professor, would you like yeah. to start? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I think uh, what you said about the annual tour of Africa, that's been now the custom for the US uh, foreign minister. Uh, but what is distinctive this time is that the, the whole visit of the five countries had a distinct Indian Ocean flavor to it. Uh, because both Eritrea and uh, Kenya, now where he stopped in Africa, uh, are Indian Ocean littoral countries. Uh, Eritrea is in the Red Sea uh, coast, which has become very important as the connecting zone between the Indian Ocean and Europe. Uh, and in the Horn of, it is located in the Horn of Africa, where China has the first uh, foreign military base. So they're trying to build that relationship. And then you have Kenya, which is really a been historic, uh, you know, element of the Indian Ocean networks. And it has a, a large enough coast and it has important ports. Uh, then uh, you have the Comoros, uh, which again, uh, is an island uh, just to the, the north of the Mozambique Channel, and then from there it branches off to the to the to the two South Asian Indian Ocean island states, that is Maldives and Sri Lanka. So I think it it's, it uh, gives a general uh, recognition that Africa is important for the Indian Ocean, and two uh, beginning to see in an integrated way that you're not thinking of South Asia as different from. Uh, from African East Coast, but if you think of it as an integrated zone, then I think both the two littoral countries as well as the three island countries you know, fit into a pattern. So my basic takeaway is that it underlines China's commitment to raise their profile in the Indian Ocean. And uh, over the last uh, decade and more, uh, China has also devoted special attention to uh, island states, which are very critical for any maritime strategy. And I think he's simply reinforcing both this importance of the Indian Ocean and the special importance of the three island states, Comoros, Maldives, and Sri Lanka. Dr. Chulani, your comments, please. Uh, yes, Nitya, I think Prof uh, very well uh, summarized the importance of the visit and the significance of it. And as he rightly pointed out, this is a customary uh, visit for the Chinese foreign minister to always start the Navy with uh, visiting Africa. But this time, uh, the importance is that 
they are visiting countries which are uh, important legs of its uh, maritime trade in the Indian Ocean region. Um, I think another important factor, particularly for the Indian Ocean Island uh, states, uh, Sri Lanka and Maldives, is the fact that they are marking diplomatic uh, anniversaries in this year. Maldives is celebrating the 50th uh, anniversary of uh, uh, diplomatic relations. Sri Lanka has two celebrations, 65 years of establishing diplomatic relations and 70 years of signing the Rice Rubber Act, which is considered as the uh, beginning of uh, contemporary China-Sri Lanka relations. So uh, what we see in the, this visit, particularly in India, uh, Sri Lanka and Maldives is a focus on emphasizing on this uh, diplomatic um, uh, relationship anniversaries. Uh, in Sri Lanka, particularly, um, um, they, are, they are going to hold a series of activities to celebrate the landmark of their relationship and to strengthen co cooperation in various fields, etc., etc. So uh, for me, um, I think particularly when I uh, look at Sri Lanka-China relations, there are a couple of interesting uh, factors. Apart from strengthening um, bilateral relationships in various fields, which they discussed, uh, President Rajapaksha was seen uh, reaching out to China in terms of getting assistance for the current economic uh, uh, crisis the country is facing. Um, so... Uh, President made two particular requests. One is uh, on concessional trade credits, uh, uh, trade credit scheme to be initiated for imports from China. And as we know, China is Sri Lanka's uh, largest uh, import partner. And the second request is to restructure re uh, the debt repayments as a solution to the economic crisis. Now, these requests do not come as a surprise, to be honest, because of the economic condition of the country. And like uh, this also, I think, uh, will be associated with the perception of Chinese debt, tra debt trap, uh, even though there are some misplaced argument with regard to that. Overall, China is the uh, fourth biggest lender for, the, for Sri Lanka, but it is the second largest uh, bilateral lender behind uh, Japan. And in the past also, Sri Lanka has always reached to China in support of economic difficulties and worries. Uh, from China's part, I think what was, uh, for me, what highlighted, and this again, I think connected to what uh, Prof said earlier with regard to China's commitment to uh, Indian Ocean region. Um, uh, during the uh, meeting with uh, uh, Foreign Minister G.L. Peris, uh, uh, Prime Minister Wang Yi proposes to uh, have a forum on Indian Ocean Island countries as a way of promoting common development. Now, we know that Indian Ocean region has enough platforms to promote its solidarity. There's IORA, there's IOMAC, there's Indian Ocean Conference, which had its eighth um, conference this year. Then Sri Lanka inaugurated Gaul Dialogue to di di discuss security and maritime issues. But in any, uh, like what is significant about this, um, existing platforms are, it's always India that is taking a leadership role. So for me, I think China emphasizing uh, on and promote, uh, suggesting a new forum on Indian 
ocean island states in particular. It is also trying to emphasize the need of taking a leadership role in the region and um, perhaps trying to, despite it has uh, historically being an external player, trying to emphasize that it is not going to be an external player anymore. It is very much going to be an active uh, uh, geographic player in the region. Thank you, Dr. Chulani, for that perspective. And um, you rightly talked about the celebrations, the bilateral celebrations between the two countries. Uh, but uh, in the recent months, especially in December, there was some tension in the relationship between China and Sri Lanka, with Sri Lanka rejecting an organic fertilizer shipment from China and China suspending work on a hybrid energy project, citing security concern from a third party referring to India. What is your assessment of the current state of relationship between the two countries in the wake of these developments? We did see a lot of bonhomie from what you're saying. There was a lot of um, friendship and friendly vibes between the two uh, countries during this visit. But realistically, what would be the assessment? Uh, you are right, Ditya. I think the past couple of months was somewhat unlikely for China-Sri Lanka relations, especially under Rajapaksha administration, because of the reputation the Rajapaksha administration has to have a China tilt uh, foreign policy. Uh, from uh, I think these two uh, particular um, aspects that you highlighted are two different uh, factors. One being the fertilizer issue. I think they are actually both China and Sri Lanka would have handled diplomatically handled it better diplomatically in my personal perspective, uh, rather than um, going into the public media and providing ammunition for the for the critics uh, to scrutinize the relationship even more, the two countries should have done a back uh, um, behind the door discussion before it escalated into a diplomatic tension in the public sphere. When it comes to the um, um, hybrid power project, I think this, for me, this is a very significant step that China has taken in terms of its relationship in Sri Lanka and also its uh, so-called competition in uh, with India in Sri Lanka. Because what we see in general is a situation where there are very specific geographic divide between India and, India and China when they invest in uh, Sri Lanka. India always choose geographical areas where there's a majority Tamil population particularly North and East and some part of the central province, whereas China usually uh, put their money and investment in the single majority area. But what we saw with this effort is also China making some measures to reach out to the Northern uh, province and the Tamil uh, community there. Previously, also China made some attempts where uh, it uh, tried to build some houses, but it didn't really work. Again, there were some uh, concerns and uh, India always raised concerns and then the previous government backed out of the project. I think something similar happened this time as well, because as we know, India considers 
Sri Lanka's northern and eastern province has its sphere of influence. No matter who's going to get involved in diplomatically or otherwise, they are going to have a, a concern and they will have a say in it. And Sri Lanka has, Sri Lankan government um, has tried uh, over and over again to emphasize that it is going to be extra sensitive to um, China, um, security uh, concerns of India. So obviously I think Sri Lanka was put in a very difficult position. One, in, on one hand, it has its long-standing friend who have been providing uh, for Rajapaksha administration's investments, money and everything. And then on the other hand, there's India, which also like has been with which uh, Rajapaksha administration was trying to build a very cordial relationship. So this has show, uh, signaled a new layer into the geopolitical tension between India and uh, China in Sri Lanka. So for Sri Lanka, I think th uh, um, this is going to be a very uh, challenging situation. And I also think that uh, Sri Lanka would uh, try to mitigate and see how it can balance the relationship between the two countries without hurting one or the other, uh, which would not be easy. So this is, I think, uh, showing the challenge that we will have to face in the next couple of years, the reality that we, have, we will have to face. Professor, what is your take on the current state of relations between um, China and uh, Sri Lanka? No, I think uh, what uh, uh, Chilani has said just now, I mean, uh, is essentially China, from your question, has had some setbacks, not just in Sri Lanka, which we had went into some detail, but also in the Maldives, where the new government uh, led by Ibrahim Soli now says India first uh, foreign policy. While before his predecessor, uh, Abdullah Yamin, I mean, he didn't say it in so many words, but it was a China first foreign policy. So there is, there being setbacks. So I think what uh, Wangi was doing was that, look, he was telling the Maldivians, look, you know, he's not going to take no for an answer. That, that just because Maldives says they have an India first foreign policy uh, does not mean China is going to just turn its back and walk away. Uh, so they're going to keep up their engagement. They, that's why he came into Maldives and Maldives at a time when there was this India out campaign uh, where the opposition parties and Abdullah Yamin is supporting it as well, saying, look, India's presence, uh, growing presence undermines the sovereignty of Maldives. Therefore, Indian projects should come to an end. So I think there is a pressure on the uh, against the India first policy. I mean, we don't know how serious these demonstrations are, but the fact is there is questions being raised within, within the Maldives. So I think uh, what Wangi is doing that, look, we are still around in that, uh, that China will have a role and they're willing to continue to support and build on the previous uh, agreements uh, on the infrastructure development uh, so that you can't simply wipe off China from the Maldives. And in uh, Sri Lanka, uh, he was basically uh, saying that, look, while there were setbacks on the, on the fertilizer issue was resolved in China's favor towards the end, while they had to uh, take a hit on the project in the, in the, in the shared waters of India and Sri Lanka. Uh, they, that's why he was making the point. There's no third party should not be allowed uh, to come into the relationship between uh, Sri Lanka and China by saying, look, we have nothing against third party, but the third, you can't let the third parties 
uh, disturb our relationship, that is China-Sri Lanka relationship. So that is a push. I mean, I think what is surprising though, was that he did not announce any new agreements. Uh, he's really wanted to get this relationship back on track. That's what it seemed to me. One, there was the showcasing of the China, China's Colombo Port City project, uh, which is a you know flagship project. And Bangi is reported to have told, look, let's build on these two great projects. You know, one is the uh, Colombo Port City, and the other is the Hambantota Port. We can use these two infrastructure projects that China has done uh, to help Sri Lanka uh, modernize its economy, as well as overcome the current uh, macroeconomic uh, crisis that, uh, that it has. Uh, the second point I think uh, Chilani also referred to was the uh, Chinese are pressing Sri Lanka to say, let's start negotiations on a free trade agreement. Uh, in fact, the Sri Lankan ambassador in, uh, in Beijing talked about the importance of such an agreement in an interview to uh, Sri Lankan paper. But what, what I would like to know from Chilani is that why is uh, Sri Lanka hesitating? Because is there some issues in terms of a free trade agreement uh, with, uh, with, uh, uh, with China? Because Sri Lanka, as you know, uh, has not been taken kindly to free trade agreements. They signed one with Singapore and walked away from it. And there's strong resistance against any free trade agreement with India. So I, I would like to know a little more on that. But the other thing he said, uh, which was really set up a forum for Indian Ocean Island states. I think this is a new proposal. It's an important proposal. Uh, essentially, I think signaling that, look, uh, China is going to take its own initiatives. That actually, uh, and once China invites people, it's going to be pretty hard uh, for Sri Lanka to say no, or even Maldives. So I think this, this is something to watch. Uh, clearly saying, look, they have an interest here. They're going to create institutional formats. Uh, uh, despite, you know, India is doing its own thing uh, with the National Security Advisors of India, Sri Lanka, Maldives. Uh, there is the uh, IORA, Indian Ocean uh, Rim Association. And then there is the French, uh, uh, which brings in Western Indian Ocean Islands called the Indian Ocean Commission where China is an observer. So I think this is a big step forward. I mean, uh, in terms of intellectually crafting a new framework for the Indian Ocean from the Chinese perspective. Uh, so this is worth watching and I think uh, debating this. Hopefully when we see something more, this is a subject uh, I'm sure ISAS will, will take up uh, in the uh, in the days, uh, days ahead. Dr. Chulani, would you like to respond to the query on the free trade agreement uh, that China is pushing for? Yeah, definitely, uh, Nitya. I think, um, as Prof said, Sri Lanka has not always done well with the free trade agreements. Uh, even though Sri Lanka claims to be one of the first uh, countries to liberate its economy, I, do, I think what we see is going back and forth when it comes to actually implementing some of these measures. Sri Lanka do not have many free trade agreements. Um, uh, only two uh, agreements with the multilateral corporate regions and uh, the bilateral agreements with India, Pakistan, and the one Prof just mentioned, Singapore, which did not really work. Uh, they are still, after signing us, they're negotiating. So I think for Sri Lanka, the it, it is important to have an agreement with China. China has this um, uh, sort of like uh, way of uh, 
doing its uh, foreign uh, free trade agreements first it uh, negotiate uh, uh, like um, trade and then like uh, it uh, goes into uh, an agreement on trade in goods services and investments followed by a comprehensive fta package so i think what china is trying to do with sri lanka right now is that and china is sri lanka's second uh, largest trading partner in 2000 16 it even overtook india and became the largest trading partners but as with any other countries who has trade relationship our relationship is also um um uh, in favor of china uh, it, it it has a trade imbalance so this is actually an opportunity to improve sri lanka's exports to china uh, a study uh, in the uh, institute of policies uh, uh, studies sri lanka did a couple of years ago has identified that there are uh, 566 products that Sri Lanka can export to China, out of which 209, uh, 299 products um, are like. Uh, potential has a potential uh, advantage vis-a-vis -vis with the rest of the world but for whatever the reasons now since the negotiation started there are uh, i think six rounds have negotiations have gone um, sri lanka has not managed to go further in this so from it is i think normal for china also to see ask why we are not going ahead because they see that if without a trade a trade agreement they can have this amount of trade advantage vis-a-vis -vis India, if they have a trade agreement, it would be a game changer. So in China's part, I think that is why they are trying to sort of like uh, push forward with the agreement. To be honest, from Sri Lanka's side, I don't know why they are doing it uh, because uh, the same way that I don't understand why we agreed the agreement with the Singapore and now we are not implementing it because at least from the experience with India, we know that there are a lot of advantages and it is definitely will be an advantage for Sri Lanka to uh, get um, open to the Chinese market for, it, for its uh, producers and manufacturers. Moving on to the Maldives, uh, Prof just talked about uh, the India Out campaign that is uh, making a lot of noise in Maldives, uh, championed by President Abdullah Yameen, while President Ibrahim Soli has had a very pro-India stance. So Prof, how do you see this competition between India and China playing out in Maldives, especially in this year when China and the Maldives celebrate 50 years of diplomatic relations? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I think the the fact is, uh, Shulani said, look, the India-China rivalry is a reality today, uh, at least in South Asia. I mean, I think uh, India can't compete with China everywhere in the in the expansive Indo-Pacific, but certainly in the Indian Ocean, next to its own territory, uh, I think it is it is uh, doing a lot more things, and China is not going to simply give up. Uh, so I think Delhi understands that China is the second largest economy. Uh, one of the world's leading military powers today uh, is going to be everywhere. I mean, so I think for India, it is not something you can wish China away. China is there. But at the same time, India simply can't uh, let uh, a hostile, you know, 
developments in its own immediate neighborhood. So I think so these imperatives are going to be uh, clashing with each other, and we're going to we're going to see that. What's interesting in relation to Maldives and Sri Lanka uh, is really the how deeply intertwined the Sino-Indian dynamic has become with the domestic politics of both the countries. As we discussed earlier, I mean, uh, Soli takes a so-called, you know, India first position while Yamin took a China first position. So what you have is really the intra-elite fighting, that is the, com the competition for political power in Maldives uh, is not tied to the kind of external dynamic that is there in the region. Uh, though it's a, such a small country, but still the competing factions are trying to mobilize different external powers uh, to, uh, to, to project their own, uh, you know, rise to power or hold on to power. So this is a, so it's not just about, you know, two countries rivalry, but it is not deeply connected to the domestic politics of Maldives. And I think the same is true of Sri Lanka in a much more different way, where India's, uh, you know, continuing support for the Tamil rights. Uh, while she, China says, look, we don't interfere in domestic politics. Uh, so I think it's a straightforward uh, issue there for India. Uh, the problem is in Sri Lanka, the Sinhalese nationalism today says India is the problem. Uh, you can go back to 1983, a uh, whole lot of developments that took place, the Indian intervention uh, and its withdrawal. So I think for uh, and India's continuing emphasis on the Tamil rights uh, within a united framework of course, India is not supporting secession. But yet, uh, is this something that the Sinhala elite does not want to give? I mean, it's, it's not passing a judgment, but that's where the, the tension is between Delhi and uh, Colombo is whatever you do, uh, but there is that problem. Uh, and uh, India's continuing the support for uh, Tamil rights also makes the North and East, uh, you know, very uh, warm towards India. So you have an internal dynamic here, the question of the uh, devolution of power, federalism, whatever you want to call it within Sri Lanka, is tied directly to India. While China comes in and says, look, you know, we don't interfere in your domestic politics. We want to just engage with Colombo and we want to do good things. So which gives them an advantage. And, and that's why the growth of Chinese power in Sri Lanka it really starts in post-2009, civil war comes to an end, China had given some support. So what you have is actually, uh, there is a, a much greater comfort level between Colombo and China. So what Chilani uh, uh, said earlier, that, but at the same time, Chinese are figuring out now, after the project got scrapped, that they also need to reach out to the, to the Tamil minority uh, without looking like they're interfering. And that's why you had the ambassador, the Chinese ambassador going to the north, say, putting himself in temples, uh, dressed like a good Tamil uh, pilgrim, uh, you know, in a vesti and without a shirt and offering uh, to, to the God. And then, then I think he's making it clear, look, they're not going to simply walk away from the north. Uh, if that is important to be there and they're going to try and find a way. So without taking a position on the federalism Tamil rights issue, uh, they can simply reach out to the to the north and say, look, we can give you money and we can give you development. So we're not against you. We're not against anyone. We are for development. And that's why uh, the emphasis on new forms of, you know, uh, uh, you know, 
aquaculture, there's a whole farming of the, uh, you know, fish farming, they're taking in some new steps. So I think Chinese will, will make their presence felt in the North as well. But, but it tells you, but they're not going to talk about Tamil rights. Uh, while they have a problem with the, you know, that's why they were protests against China in the North. But I think the main point uh, we're trying to make as an as analyst is that the internal politics of Sri Lanka has also become tied to uh, the, the India-China uh, competition. I think this will be an enduring issue. So I don't think anyone is expecting the Tamil problem to be solved tomorrow uh, or uh, the problem of, uh, you know, between Sri Lanka, Tamil Nadu, and India uh, will be will be sorted out. So I think this this issue uh, will be will be there, and how that gets balanced out. And this is where Colombo uh, okay suspended the project, while uh, at the same time uh, continuing the engagement with China. So, so I think uh, there will be a lot of balancing to do. But I I would say slightly differently from from Chilani that look, it's also an opportunity for Sri Lanka. If you have two large countries trying to woo you. And ready to do things, so you play one against the other. Uh, so I think the Chinese, uh, like you can call it non-alignment, equidistance, whatever you have, which is what Colombo calls it, equidistance. But, but of course, the fact is India is too close uh, to ignore. While China, when things go wrong, uh, the danger of Indian intervention, of course, is always there. So you can get how much you want from China. But in terms of political security, uh, India, I'm not just talking about Indian sensitivities, but uh, India can't be ignored. So, so I think that is the balancing act uh, that uh, Sri Lanka is doing. And uh, my sense is other countries do it. Anybody who's next to a large country has to balance. It's, you mobilize the external power to balance the uh, neighbor. But at the same time, you know that you can't provoke the neighbor too much. Uh, then you invite the wrath of the neighbor, and then the other guy can't really help you. So I think it's a, it's a complex act, but but I think it's not unique to Sri Lanka. But many, many countries do it. All the countries on Russia's periphery, China's periphery, all of them are doing this in different forms. So, but this is a, a new dynamic that will be with us. Um, finally, uh, talking about the big neighbor, how does India view Mr. Yong, Minister Wongi's visit and its outcome? And how do you think India will navigate China's influence in the Indian Ocean? I think, you know, my, my view is that, look, India will not, will oppose any, anything that would, you know, seen as violating, you know, danger to its security. Like tomorrow, uh, as like the power project in the North, uh, or if, you know, China sets up something, you know, some, you know, something with a dual use facility, in anywhere in Sri Lanka, they're going to object, they're going to push uh, and use their influence to stop it. But at the same time, that's only one part. But the real thing for India is, look, how does it develop its own engagement with China? So India, so India has to play to its own strengths. So just as China has given a lot of money, for example, on the to bail out uh, Sri Lanka from the crisis, India is doing the same. I mean, but they're also uh, uh, getting new projects done. For example, uh, Adani uh, Enterprises has got the Colombo West Terminal. So uh, Sri Lanka has also figured out, look, you can't keep India out. So they're giving some projects to India, which is new because these were held up for a long time. The previous government could not decide on those. So it has given that uh, West Terminal to India. It has also uh, signed a new contract with India on the Trincomalee oil farm. So I think so what India must focus is, look, how does it make its own relationship stronger 
rather than keeping China out is only, you know, you can't keep China out. I mean, okay, military bases, those kind of things, yes. But the rest of it, India must bring its own economic, uh, you know, interdependence with, with Sri Lanka to a higher level so that more people in Sri Lanka see the relationship with India is of benefit to them. Thank you, Professor Raja Mohan and Dr. Chulani for this insightful conversation. Uh, we are very happy to have you with us on South Asia Chat. Thank you. It's great being here. You were listening to South Asia Chat. To learn more about our work, visit us at isas.nus.edu.sg. Also follow us on our social media handles, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thank you. Thank you.